You're listening to the Evolving Truths Podcast, featuring mother-daughter hosts, Shannon Day and Alexis Ray, where honest and vulnerable conversations about personal growth create a connection between all of us. You're invited to experience the transformation that occurs when we allow the truth of who we are to evolve. Hello, you beautiful heart and soul. Welcome back to Evolving Truths. My name is Alexis Ray, and with me, as always, is my mama, Shannon Day. Hey, mom. Hey, Alexis. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. We're doing things a bit differently this time. I'm excited because I think it could be fun and good, but also a little nervous. Ditto. I'm nervous because what's going to be shared in this episode is the conversation from last summer. Mm Mm-hmm. Where we're at now is a little bit different. We both have listened to this conversation individually. Between the two of us, you were more gung-ho about sharing it than I was. And so from that sense, I'm a little bit nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I want to use the word gung-ho, but I feel like it was a good conversation. It was a conversation that we had no intention of having that day, but we did. And I think some of what we discussed are still things we think about with evolving truths. We recognize we evolve. We're endeavoring to be us in this space. And so attempting to have this conversation again, to me felt inauthentic. Sure. So today we are sitting here in the corner studio about to do a live reaction and commentary on this conversation that we had six months ago. Like mom said, this conversation was organic. It was unplanned. We were talking about food and substances, our perceptions of them and our reactions to situations that change or how we use them. And I mean, really, we're just... We're kind of going for it. Yeah. See what happens. Is there but... anything else you want to say? We're we're halfway into season two, I guess, at this point. Yeah. That's exciting. And we love hearing from those who've been enjoying it and sharing it with others. It feels encouraging. Yeah. Other people besides us are actually getting value out of it too, which is nice. Yeah, I like that. Sometimes it still feels a little surreal, but I think it's cool. Me too. Thanks for being here. And we're about to get real raw. Oh, that's another thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about sobriety. Mm, Yes, but I'm not ready to. Okay. But I'm with you. That can be a topic at some point. Well, it doesn't have to be about you. This came up the other day too, as like making a commitment to yourself and declaring it to other people. And when it comes to that declaration, the perception of, oh, I don't have to declare it to anyone to prove my, like, why do I have to share it? And for me, it's like, oh, no, I'm sharing this because I'm hopeful that you'll help hold me accountable. Sure. That came around the night we went out to happy hour and I drank and it was great. We had a wonderful time and we met beautiful people. And the next day I lost half of my day and I didn't feel good. And I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. That was how I woke up this morning. And I feel a little bit of a headache that's just stayed. Oh, I had to take medication yeah. that day. I I haven't taken anything, but it's also one of those things where it's like, if I just have a beer, it'll probably go away. And I'm really fighting with myself 
to not do that. It physically would help me feel better because oh. I'm in that spot of, I feel like shit. Yeah. No, why? And so now let me drink more of the stuff that I already drank too much of that made me feel like shit. I woke up going, why do I keep doing this to myself? Oof. Well, that really sets the stage for today's conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Full disclosure, I'm also going to say that since us having this conversation last summer and to where we are sitting here months removed, I, I've actually had to ask myself that question a few more times. The why do I keep doing this to myself? Yeah. yeah. So that wasn't your last hangover. No, <laughs> no, it wasn't. It's a bit interesting when we start to have this conversation and I want to scale it because I was totally just getting ready to do that in terms of saying, I don't know that I've experienced the hangover to the degree that I had here that day we were recording. Yeah. Or shoot, maybe I've actually had somewhere it's been a little bit worse. I don't know, but yeah, it's a question I've, I've had to continue to ponder and ask myself. In the past six months, we've had a, more conversations about how we're using alcohol or when we're using it and like the conscious decisions of, oh, tonight I'm going out, but my goal is just to have one drink. Like that seems a little different than before. Would you agree or no? In theory. Yeah, it does. <laughs> in practice. In, in practice, maybe a little more challenging since we had this conversation months ago. I have attempted to be more mindful about this. I've said to myself, I'm not going to drink at home by myself. And I stuck with that for a while, but have recently stopped sticking with that or saying, if I go out based on where I'm going or how long it's going to be, I'm going to limit myself to X number of drinks. Sometimes I have, sometimes I haven't. I am not a journaler. We've discussed this, I think, in the podcast. So we know there are those who journal and those who don't. This is the first time in years, like since I was a teenager and used to journal way back when, and that journaling just happened. After some of these instances, I was like, I want to write this down. I want to have these dates and these feelings noted so that I have something tangible to go back and read and look at. So I guess if nothing else, that's come out of it. Organic journaling for Shannon. <laughs> On hangover days. Ha! Yeah, or like a few days later when I'm thinking about it, right? But let's just go back to your mom is doing some journaling, Alexis. I'm so proud of you. I do want to say neither of one of us have really set out to say I'm sober my alcohol-free lifestyle has come about because of my health and not wanting to risk getting a migraine or triggering a headache or like we said that day of recognizing I don't want to lose any more time to not feeling good. I actually just realized this the other day and I'm going to share it with you. Between that last happy hour that I described with the girls in Arizona to today, the day that we were recording, it has been 180 days that I have had no alcohol. Wow. I don't feel like I'm measuring sobriety for myself, but I'm kind of proud of it. That's definitely the longest I've gone without alcohol. I mean, even 2021, after the car accident, I was drinking wine by November. 
that was maybe three months. And at this point, it's six. That's crazy. Yeah. Should we keep going? Continue to listen to this former episode? Yeah. Let's do it. So I got to have lunch today with a really good friend of mine. And they recently traveled to Las Vegas and had a day of day drinking and night drinking until someone from their party like took them back to their room and made sure that they got there safely and they just passed out. And then the next day woke up and like felt the shakes and felt nasty and had the exact same thought you did of, man, let me make this go away by getting a beer. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe similarly to how your day has gone, chose to detox and since then has like been barely even touching it and like just noticing it more when they go out, they don't have to keep up or (laughs) I can go out and have just one. Mm -hmm. And it is really crazy when you wake up the next day and everyone's like, oh, just order another one. There have been many times between you and I that I have been hungover and you're like, yep, you know how to, you know how to fix it. Just keep on drinking. To be totally honest, you've seen me on some of my most hungover days and putting more alcohol in my body is not something I'm good at when I reach that point. But it's never made sense to me. Is that really how I have to make myself better? I know that you said you didn't want to talk about this, but talking about this is like bringing something up for me that we have talked about a little bit already, but I really want to share with you And it just so happens that we happen to be recording right now. And I know this is not part of the conversation, but I think it's going to be great anyways. (laughs) I am so grateful that you are noticing this. And I think that it's really powerful to even just be aware. And over the past few weeks, I have really been reflecting on my use of cannabis. And it has only been since you came and visited me and mentioned oh, hey, it seems like you've been consuming quite a bit. And I I don't want to say I snapped back, but I reacted very quickly of like, no, the fuck we don't. I'm what? pretty sure that's what I said word for word. I made a comment of, well, how do you feel about your use or should we talk about that? And you And you said, no. The biggest thing that I take from when we had that conversation was you saying to me, So mom, you never asked me about when I was drinking a bottle of wine a night. You didn't say anything then. So why are you saying it now about cannabis? I really forgot how brave I am sometimes of just laying it all out there. (laughs) I like thinking about laying it all out there in terms of being brave, because it does take courage to say what's on our mind, what we're truly feeling or thinking Especially if we've been in a spot where we've shared it before and we're made to feel those feelings were valid or that there was something wrong with us or it got turned on us or used on us in the future. Or just saying it to your mom. Yeah. Kudos to my past self for coming up with that one line of why are you saying it now about this when you didn't say it about wine when I was drinking a bottle or a box. I never drink a whole box in a single night, but like maybe over the course of two nights. Oh yeah. Those boxes are dangerous. For real. Yeah. And I remember this day we were in Arizona 
we were in the kitchen standing at the counter. I also liked listening to your interpretation was of me saying something like, oh, do you think you're using too much? Or I forget exactly how you said that. And I was like, no, I think my question was more just like a general kind of broad, like, how are you feeling about it? But yeah, I still recall your reaction that day was like, mm, no. And if we're going to have this conversation, then why didn't you ever ask about alcohol? That has really stuck with me. And I've actually seen it sometimes in posts and social media as well, that alcohol is the one thing that to us is so normal. It's almost like there's something wrong with you if you don't drink. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the one drug that you cannot do and people think something's wrong with you. Right. Instead of it being a choice, you don't have to have a problem with alcohol to not drink it, but coming to that space of asking the question of, is it really serving me? Yeah. Like, why am I consuming this? And I don't think I need to have a drink in order to have a good time out with my friends. For me, choosing to take a break from drinking, like I really haven't put any intentionality behind that, but recognizing that it really wasn't serving my health, which I have to pay a lot of attention to it because of the kidney infections, because of losing my taste and smell, because of the head injury, and then this regression with these post-traumatic migraines. And also in all of that time of becoming more aware of my health, realizing that when I was drinking, I was just balls to the wall. I was not stopping, but then I'm also going to pay for it the next day. So that trade-off for me, I don't consider myself an alcoholic. I don't consider myself having a problem with alcohol, but just knowing that like I have too much fun. So I'd rather just avoid it. Yeah. Well, and we both know and have definitely proven to ourselves that we can still have a lot of fun even without alcohol. Yeah. It was a life update. Not that this really matters, but since my regressions of symptoms started last fall, my amount of cannabis use has also declined. Not that I really need to call that out with any amount of intentionality either, but just being okay with everything fluctuating just because it's one way one day doesn't mean that it has to be that exact same way the next day all of these habits all of these choices can change whenever the heck you want them to change so in this conversation it was interesting because after I asked you that question it sat with me in terms of me thinking about being called out on that I never questioned alcohol and just thinking about society as a whole doing that But it led you to doing some checking and thinking about some things as well. And that's what we discuss next. So for the past few weeks, I have been checking myself in a few different areas. Food, because since having the vid in January of 2021, I have dealt with serious long-term side effects of loss of taste and smell. And as a result of that, I struggle to regulate my appetite. I go through the day, I can't smell anything, and I cannot tell if I'm actually hungry or not. It's been strange. So I've been checking myself on food because I look great (laughs) and my body feels good and I am functioning at probably my highest level post any concussion. I feel like I am functioning within my means at an equivalent 
level to when I was like 16 before I ever had any concussions, if that makes sense. Yes. Which is a big deal to me. Like, wow, that's amazing. And then I look in the mirror, I'm like, is this too good to be true? Am I sick? Am I not eating enough? Am I telling myself that I can't taste? Is this a mental game that I'm not winning? When I do eat food, it's not a pleasant experience, but it has taught me to eat so presently that I am having a very different relationship with food because I'm having to ask myself, what am I actually tasting as opposed to just shoveling a meal into my mouth? And also the recognition that the few meals that I do eat I need to make sure that they're as good as can be with the occasional frozen pizza worked in there. If you didn't know, pizza, frozen pizza, dare I say, is the food of the female warrior. I like that. Amen. So anyways, having to pick meals that are good for me in some way. I eat a lot of poke bowls and I eat salads and those are the things that I crave now. So I can be grateful to have learned how to eat in a way that seems to be working for my body. And the entire time I'm mentally checking myself and freaking out like, oh my gosh, am I, am I anorexic? Am I depleting myself too much? That is what's going through my mind, mom. Wow. That's the first time I've said that out loud to anyone. This is evolving truths right here. Also, none of this was planned, and this was not at all what we were going to talk about today, but I love it, so I'm grateful for this. And you can speak at any time so that we don't just have a single monologue. One of the things I'll say about when you lost your sense of taste and smell, and when we'd go out, I'd ask you, could you taste this or could you smell? And you'd be like, no, no. And I felt like I was mad. I was yes, so sad. mad and it starts to get a little frustrating, right? So then trying to figure out a different question that I could ask. And then when you had the car accident and we were together sometimes three times a week and we would have meals together a lot of those times when food got set in front of us, I remember t- saying, oh, this smells good. And then you saying, well, Must I wouldn't be nice. know. So it made me have to be aware of being with you and taking the time to think about, I'm experiencing this. How can I share it with Lex in a way that she can be okay with? Then I would be like, wow, the texture of this yes. is so good. I would find other ways to engage with you around the meal, talking about either texture or the color of the food or those sorts of things that you still had those senses and could use those as a way to enjoy it. And then there'd be times when you would say to me, so mom, what does it taste like? Or what does it smell like? So giving the space for you to ask the question and then me be able to share times when you would go, well, does it smell like, I don't know, yeah, I start so feet, and I'd be like, "No, Lex doesn't smell like that." Right? Does it smell like <laughs> trash? Because that is what I am experiencing right now. Yes, I was so like it made me so much more aware how much we just take a bite and be like, "Ooh, this is so good." You haven't even tasted it 
it. You just put it in your mouth. Yeah. And yes, I was super bitter. And then when you started reframing it, you allowed me to experience food again. And you helped me understand that even if it was different, I was still having an experience. So thank you. Well, listening back to that tangent is weird. (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting as we were just listening to it. We're both like, no, we don't need that part. We don't need that part. Yeah, because I got really emotional. You did get emotional. I mean, not being able to taste food is kind of a big deal. And having a way to still experience it, you use the term shoveling (laughs) instead of just shoveling food in our mouths, but taking a bite and taking a minute to enjoy it, I would say doing this with you has made me be more aware of it as well. Part of what's coming out of this former conversation and where we are now is this thought around being more aware and not just going through the motions in our daily lives. Yeah. Thinking back to this conversation, I was feeling really good in my skin and my body and I was getting conversations from people, oh, you look a little too thin. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what brought a lot of that doubt up for me. I had to have a conversation with a friend of mine who has experienced eating disorders in her lifetime and she helped me feel more at ease with my decisions and where I was at because I was questioning it. I wasn't doing it to try and look or feel a certain way. It was just happening. And I think that that evolved because of not being able to taste or smell. I really don't know how much my taste and smell has come back now, present day. I definitely have better experiences with food, which is nice and encouraging. I can tell some flavor profiles for sure, but I don't think it'll ever be the same. That reframing is so interesting because how many other different people have to experience things in different ways. It takes me back to the conversation that we had about the Odessa concert and me having to wear my sunglasses and my noise-canceling earphones and having a different experience at that concert. Just two days ago, we heard a song come on and you're like, every time I hear this song, I think of watching them come out with the drums Mm. and my eyes were closed. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Not in a bad way. I'm stoked that you got to see it. It's just different. Yeah. Oh, that was such a good concert. I digress, but that was such a good concert. This is weird. I'm glad we're doing this because I am getting a reminder of where we were listening to this, being where I am in my health now of still getting these migraine symptoms under control versus when we recorded this and feeling awesome. Mm-hmm. And like I was on top of my game and it's hard. Yeah. It's a journey. We're in a different phase of it now. Yeah. Every day is different. And I think I just said it in our last excerpt, what is true today and the way you do it today doesn't have to be the same tomorrow. And whether you're adjusting by choice or you're adjusting because you're forced to, it's easier when it's by choice. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Which I think speaks to reframing. At times we have to make a decision or choose a course of action because dot, 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 whatever it might be. So even in that case, trying to figure out how to reframe that so that it's not something we end up holding a grudge about or always feeling negative about or 
allowing it to maybe take some of our joy from experiences we otherwise could be having. I'm just going to say I'm still struggling with that, or I don't know that it's a struggle, but it still comes up for me being able to like frame the accident in a good way, or just in a way to be able to say, oh, look at these cool things that have come from this, or to try and see the positive in it, when I feel like it just totally ripped Mm. me off. Mm. Yeah. And that too is valid. I mean, I know I'll get there. And because of the accident, I got to move to Arizona. And because of the accident, I got to grow my skills in roofing sales. And because of the accident, we started a podcast. And because of the accident, I'm in a different place mentally and emotionally. I can see all of that, but it's still really hard to not be bitter. The same way it's still really hard to not be bitter that I may never taste (laughs) the same way again. Thank you for saying that. When I think of reframing, I typically think of it as a positive. We're trying to adjust how we're thinking about something so that it serves us in a more beneficial way and not making light of the fact that reframing sometimes can be really, really difficult and in some cases may never happen. Reframing is to be able to keep you going, but serves a purpose. And there are days that I'm better at it than not so good at it. And I've always been optimistic. I've always been resilient and being able to find the light at the end of the tunnel or the silver lining, like find the lesson in the loss. But getting to the point now where I can say it sucks, but that doesn't make me a pessimist either. Mm, mm, right. Is different. Yeah. Man, this conversation is, I'm glad we're doing it. I'm glad that you saw the value in this and having this kind of jump back is fun and it's making me uncomfortable and a little bit challenging. Also, to be completely honest, one of the reasons that I liked this in this part where we were talking about you being grateful for me, reframing food and how you enjoy it, you were beautiful in expressing your love and appreciation for me, which as a mom, you love to hear. But in it, you said, mom, you are an angel. And I, that sat funky with me. So I was like, well, could I be a goddess instead of an angel? Yeah, you can always be a goddess instead of an angel. (laughs) Ah, So I kind of wanted to keep it because I like the part of me being able to be called a goddess, which I think we all are. We all are. Yeah, but that was like in the midst of a total tangent and full transparency. It didn't need to be in this conversation. Yeah. So, But I just wanted to make sure I threw the goddess piece back in. So here we are. <laughs> All right. Should we keep going, goddess? Let's keep going. I also have been evaluating my use of cannabis and I've been a little pissed at myself for doubting myself because... I let your doubt for me impact my truth, but I have checked myself. And I think that I will continue to evolve the use into like what a good balance is and realize times that it really is more effective than others. But I've had to experience both ends of the spectrum and continue to work on that teeter-totter. You said that you got a little mad at yourself because you took my doubt for you and put it on yourself? What do you mean when you say that? That's a great question. Because of how I reacted when you asked me that question, 
my emphatic no behind it. I recognize denial can be a symptom of something or a signal or a red flag. So that's what made me go, maybe I need to check myself right now because maybe that answer was a little too quick. And then I've been checking myself and I've been realizing like, I'm good. And even you have said in the past few weeks when we've had conversations, I've been sharing that I've been consuming less. And you and I have joked a little bit a few times too, because you said you don't need to defend yourself. And apparently I still felt like I needed to. The day that we talked about it, you clearly stated here's why I'm consuming it. Here's what it's helping me with. Here's what I see the benefits are. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Pretty sure my response was positive. I even said, you don't need to answer to me or justify to me. Oh, and I kept going. And then I've been mad at myself for defending myself. So are you still mad at yourself, Alexis? I think that's interesting because How many times are we mad at ourselves for doing something that's like already done? I'm not mad at myself for this anymore, but over explaining, over justifying, over defending, man, I don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) Awareness, awareness. Also, maybe this is a mom thing, but one of the things that you said was you took my doubt for you but I wasn't asking that day out of doubt for you. Ooh, well, need a moment to pause because as I say that, one, why am I trying to justify it? And two, I feel like this is <laughs> the third or 12th time that I've mentioned you asking that question back of mom, you never questioned me when I was drinking. So yeah, what made me think, I mean, when I'm the mom, so I guess I feel like and think I can ask questions when I have a concern for you. But yet, it's still really sitting with me that I didn't ask the question about alcohol. And maybe in this case, part of that is because of my own alcohol use. It's like, why am I going to question her when your use looks similar to mine? Maybe I wasn't sharing how much I was drinking. But I feel like that's not true. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I I do think in society as a whole does that as well. We view other substances so much worse than we view alcohol. And I know I've read some books about it. I mean, we know in large part that is due to what alcohol companies have done when it comes to marketing and the message that comes across. But wow, just taking some time to sit and have this conversation and Well, months ago when this conversation started, it started with you saying, I want to talk about sobriety and you saying, I don't, (laughs) to us sitting here having this conversation. We need more conversations around this. I know these are conversations I have with my friends. I think you probably do as well. I really don't. Oh, okay. Then we'll take that out. Is that weird? No, I mean, I think it's good to say because I have a couple of girlfriends, one that's super into beer culture, and I love that for her. And full transparency, I miss that, but I miss it because I can't taste it the way that I used to. And then not being able to taste it led me to being like, well, why am I drinking this? And yada, yada, yada. I have another friend that drinks socially, and I don't have these conversations with them. Instead, it's just like, this is what Lex has chosen. I don't consider myself sober but I'm alcohol free at this point in my life. And I don't have to 
talk to people about it. I mean, that is how this conversation started was being like, oh, I now know I have 180 days of no alcohol, but I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone. I think it's great that your friends are talking about it. I, I don't know. It's, it's different for everyone. Yeah, it is. And we're not saying that anyone has to be sober. We're not saying that anyone needs to give up alcohol. No, this is just a conversation. And it's been our experience with it. Mm -hmm. If you are interested in a weird or fun fact, the warning label for alcohol has not been updated in over 30 years. That is really interesting, especially considering how much more information they have now. They, whoever they are, right? But the world. (laughs) People who do that sort of research, how much more information they have about alcohol and its effects on the body. And the brain. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Well, I don't know. I, again, wanted to go back to, (laughs) I love that I was like, hey, we need to make it clear here that I was not asking you because I was doubting you. And then as I started to process that while trying to explain that, I was like, oh, wait, is this about me? I don't know. But (laughs) I think sometimes. I think it's fair to express concern for someone that you care about. And maybe we don't do that enough. Yeah, because we're worried about getting the response like I got from you. Probably. Or worse. Yeah, like we're a mom-daughter who have worked on our relationship to be able to have these open communication skills. But the same reason I haven't said to my other girlfriends, here's this sober book, like, (laughs) because that's their choice, that's their life. But when you see someone that you love and care about, how do you have that conversation with them without being worried about offending them? Yeah. Or willing to accept what their response is and go from there and know that maybe that conversation sits with both of you. Like, who knows? Because I know we both still remember that conversation today. We recorded this like a few weeks after that conversation randomly. Again, this was not at all what we planned on talking about and have made the decision to hang on to this to now again, sit here and think about it. Yeah, come back to it five months later, yeah. six months later. Yeah, it's it's definitely hung around for a reason. And I know it's given me some things to think about. Lex, I love you saying, how do we have conversations with friends or family that we know could be difficult or are likely going to be difficult? I think that's something really for us to leave with and ponder. And know that Alexis and I do not have the end-all be-all answer to that question. <laughs> But we'd love to hear your experiences and thoughts about it to go with ours. Let us know a time that it went well. Let us know a time that it didn't go well. Let us know a time that you would do something different. We're winging it. The human experience. We all live and learn through these experiences. And sometimes they're great. And sometimes they're hard. And sometimes they're hard, but turn out to be great. Maybe that's why this episode has stuck around. The true underlying meaning of this episode, tough conversations with people that you love and care about in relation to behavior. I don't know. Yeah. And reframing things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was an example that we had very specific to your loss of taste and smell and how we handled it. Are there times in your lives when you've had to reframe something? What was that? And how did that turn out for you? Love to hear about those as well. Thank you for taking a walk down memory lane with us. We hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode. It definitely was out of our comfort zones, but 
thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing us along and sharing this time with us again. It really is an honor. If mom and I are totally your cup of tea, please leave a rating and review wherever you are listening. Share this episode with someone you'd like to have a conversation with or get the conversation started. The more people that we continue to share this podcast with, the greater our community gets to be. Thank you, everyone. And we'll be back next week. But until then, please remember that life is beautiful and you create the magic. Have a good one. Connect with Shannon and Alexis in the Evolving Truths community by visiting evolvingtruthspodcast.com. Links are in the show notes. The artwork for this project was created by Julie B. Salazar and is entitled Celebration from the Inner Landscape Print Series. The Evolving Truths podcast is produced and edited by Shannon Day and Alexis Ray, recorded from the Corner Studio in conjunction with Alexis Ray Enterprises, LLC.